Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 17, Visionary. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely, and as I say every week, you should find us and follow us because we're awesome. And we're getting better, as I was told by some um, some people that I ran into recently who have been checking us out that live right here oh, in really? our hometown. Yeah, so nice. I was um, I was at my sister's uh, wine bar for a little uh, get together that they were having for somebody, and um, I don't even really know how the conversation initially started. But we started, of course, got into Star Trek. Talking about Deep Space Nine, brought up the podcast, and before you know it, I had these two people who were like, oh yeah, I know that one. And then we started talking about different episodes and stuff of the podcast, so... Oh, wow. It was quite interesting. Quite That's interesting. great. Right so, into yeah. some fans. Okay. <laughs> I would love to call them that. I'm going to have to, like... I know, I say that with all with the, like... With yeah, all I'm the, gonna... with all the like loaded like yeah no that can't be true that just that, I yes, can't even yes. imagine. <laughs> I got rep- I got recognized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll yeah. be signing autographs <laughs> next time we go to the bar. Yeah. There we go. Um, but no, I mean we, we obviously we love to interact with anybody every, anywhere that we can. Um, so anybody listening, watching, whatever, if you do see us or want to contact us or anything like that, please do so. And um, I promise we are friendly people. Um, but yeah, you can reach us through our various social medias. We're on Facebook, like David said, Twitter, of course. Um, if you're polite and kind, we will be as well. So there you go. But we're not here to necessarily talk about all that right now. I mean, we're going to continue to promote ourselves, of course. But before we get into our episode tonight, I always like to check in. So David... How's your week been? It's been good. Good week at work. You know, it's slower because it's you know getting closer to Christmas time. Actually, we should probably go ahead and say it. Merry Christmas. This episode will be airing, I believe, right before Christmas. So it actually uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Christmas Eve. This episode, no, Christmas Eve Eve, because Christmas is on yeah. Sunday. That's so, right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Um, yeah, uh, fairly regular week otherwise. Um, yeah. Oh, I finished up the House of the Dragon show, which was uh, was was good. Um, yeah, I uh, actually have you been finished thinking. It. Yeah, I I it's only ten episodes right now, so it's only okay. season one. But I was watching it with my roommate who hasn't watched Game of Thrones, so I think now that we've we finished watching it, I'll suggest to him like, hey, you haven't seen the original Game of Thrones. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't like the way it ends, but the rest of the show is actually pretty great. Um, if you enjoyed House of the Dragon, you'll enjoy the original show, so maybe I'll get him to watch it with me. I can do a, re- a re- reviewing of it. Um, but yeah, other than that, Mega, Le- Lego Masters is a fun show to watch too, if you like you know, Legos. Uh, they're about to do their finale this week. Uh, okay. 
But yeah, other than that, Christmas is coming. Got a Christmas work party tomorrow night. We're doing a Secret Santa. Hopefully my gift for my Secret Santa he'll like. Uh, apparently he likes aviation, so I figured if it's a $30 limit, I found a $30 model. It's not like a model of a plane, but it's a wooden set where you like put it together and it has like gears, and if you like turn it, the planes will like go up and down like in you know, a okay. little tower. So I'm like, hey, that sounds like fun. You can put it together. It's not just like some cheap thing, like a gift card to, you know, specs. I don't know, you know, to for alcohol or something. <laughs> Hopefully he likes it. Uh, I'm going off of uh, the recommendation that he likes aviation. I haven't heard him necessarily say that. But I'm like, I hope that's true because I bought you something that I would hope is kind of in that wheelhouse but is kind of fun and, you know, you can put it together and actually do something with it. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Well, my week has been pretty uneventful. Um, huh? Yeah, just work. But I've it's weird. Like, I kind of slipped into this whole, um, like, hunting for deals and stuff, like, with grocery shopping and, like, just around, you know. Because, I mean, we know it's the it, – as much as this is a religious holiday, it's also kind of like – a consumer holiday, you know, and everybody's out trying to like get <laughs> gifts and deals and Amazon is pumping ads at you left, right and center, you know. Um, and so I just like realized that I was like paying attention to a lot of it more than I feel like I normally would. And I got like, um, especially for my daughter, you know, like, I got picked up a lot of different things, which it was it's interesting shopping for a kid because, you know, Obviously, you want them to like your gift, but at the same time, it's like, they're kids. They're kind of going to like anything that you give them, right? Right. But I found some stuff that, like, I know 100% that she's going to like, and that when I had looked at it early on in the year, it was it was ridiculous. And I was just like, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. She'll grow out of it, whatever, you know? But now here we are. We kind of circled back around, and it was just like, if you don't buy it, you're dumb. You know, like it was one of those moments, you know. So yeah. I mean, I I feel like I really cleaned up for Christmas. Like I know that we know we always talk, you know, we talk about inflation and everything else going on, but I'm not kidding. I feel like for this Christmas, she's she's got like so much stuff. And I if I spent over a hundred and twenty dollars for her Christmas, I will be surprised. Like I don't remember the precise amounts, but like I got several clutch things that are right. pretty impressive in my opinion and i think like again her total christmas bill came to like 120 so i'm very proud of myself um right, right now um we are um, also not going to be um available tomorrow because we're going to the nutcracker with the family down at the oh. long center so wow. um yeah my um my aunt got some tickets for the whole family so it's going to be a nice family outing um to go and uh, you know, my daughter's never seen the Nutcracker, and I don't think my niece and nephew have seen it either. So we're all going to take all the kids down and everything else and watch it, and hopefully it's a good time. Uh, my only concern is seating, because it's been a while um, since I've been <laughs> in the Long Center, so I don't 100% remember how the seats go. But as a very tall man, I don't want to be in, like, that old classical theater seating where, the you know, there's very little room up front. Because there's right. just no way I'm going to be able to sit through the whole thing if I can't stretch, stretch <laughs> my leg out. Right. I, I might die if I can't move. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. And that's tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I can get out of it. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm able to walk come Monday. So we'll see. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I also finally got the chance to start reading the uh, 
second book here in our uh, third, you know, going piece? through the ex- third, third book. book. Why did I say second book? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> you finished the second book. <laughs> maybe that. Yeah, maybe that's it. I've already finished it. Yeah. So uh, I'm. Wait a second. Yeah, because you were waiting on me, right? Because you had already read the first and second. Yes. And you were waiting on me to get to the third. Right. So I finally got to the third. There it is. Now I'm caught up with my life. And, um, yes, finally started reading it. And when I saw Maneo's name on the very first part, I don't know why I got so happy. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me why I, why I got so happy. Um, but I did. And I, 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 I mean, I guess where I was remembering that scene um, from him and he's in his little slingshot uh, ship there and I just yes. got so excited that I was you know kind of back reliving it a little bit so um, very yeah. excited about that can't wait to kind of get more into it of course and looking of course for uh, my girl I was to come through and yeah. just uh, make me happy once again but we will get to talking about the expanse I'm sure um, yeah so I'll, I'll just mention that I haven't yet started book three because I know you you finished book two. You told me, and I guess you're starting book three. I, I'm not going to quite start at least for another day or two probably because um, last year I read Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol around Christmas time, and uh, it's fabulous. Um, the All the classic renditions of this tale, uh, especially the Muppet one, are all great. But the story is is great to read as well. Apparently, he Charles Dickens. It was so popular in his day. He would do yearly readings in public, <laughs> like he would he would read it out loud. Um, and when he died, there was a little girl who heard that he died, and, and she thought Christmas wasn't going to happen anymore because he had passed. <laughs> like that's how much he was associated with Christmas. But uh, I bought a book. It's a compendium of his Christmas stories because he wrote several other Christmas related stories um the one i read today i'm gonna butcher the title but it's something like the night the goblin stole a sexton a sexton was a like a church priest who was also in charge of the graveyard and this particular priest graveyard digger is very much a scrooge figure it's like a priest scrooge guy and like he he's on christmas eve he's you know mad that everyone's having cheerful christmas eve just you know festivities and like a, a little boy is walking by and singing a tune and he like whacks the kid across the head and uh he starts digging this grave and he falls asleep and these goblins take him and give him visions of people experiencing you know christmas cheer and it's like a proto of a christmas story it's like literally mm. like a 10 page version of a christmas story um, which is just kind of fun to read because the, the introduction of the of this little compendium talks about how a Christmas story was actually a culmination of um, like that seed of a story, and then he had other Christmas related stories later on. Uh, like for for like a period of like five to seven years, he like made a point of writing a story that would come out around Christmas time. And it wasn't always Christmas related. Sometimes it was just New Year's Eve. Like it was about New Year's, stuff like that. But like every year he would have a holiday story. And because anyone who knows Charles Dickens history, he was basically the version of a serialized story. He would, every month in his um, newspaper, he put out the next like chapter of what was effectively like a book or like a TV show, if you would think of it today. And so... Uh, these are like Christmas specials, if you think about it in that sense. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to finish reading so up was, that right before Christmas. 
So he was like he was like the Michael Bublé or Mariah Carey of his time, <laughs> putting if us you're, through uh, Christmas. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I also yeah. engaged in a little. <laughs> I also engaged in a little holiday tradition this past week too, um, of watching a certain Christmas movie with my older sister. In which we mm-hmm. debate the finer points of said Christmas movie. Ah, we can talk about um, this, but keep going. Yes. So it, it's it's twofold. She's got a song that she swears is a Christmas song, and I disagree. And I have a movie that, in my opinion, is a Christmas movie, and she disagrees. So um, first, I'll tell you the song. It's that last Christmas song that's they play every year. That's sung by um, George Michael, you know, and it talks about. Um, Basically, it's like a breakup song. Like they, there was somebody that they were with last Christmas, and then they broke up, and now they're like trying to move on or whatever. Anyway, so I don't think that it's a Christmas song. I think that it's an event that happened like around Christmas, but Christmas is is secondary to the overall plot, which is about a breakup and moving on from the breakup. That's what right. the song is actually about. Whereas with Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie, it's all it has all the Christmas themes. It's just violent. So the first theme, right. of course, being that um, it happens at a Christmas party. The reason that the bad guys are there in the first place is they chose the Christmas party because they knew that the building would be essentially empty, so they wouldn't have many people to deal with. Also, we have the ultimate right. Christmas theme. He is an it's he's an estranged man from his wife who has traveled across the country to be with her during the holidays and at this Christmas party. They say that all within like the first right. ten minutes of the movie. He's traveling right. because he wants to be with his wife and his children at Christmas. It's a classic right. Christmas trope. He, you yes. know, the, his plan to be with his family is thwarted by various hijinks and bad guys, which he has to defend his home turf or the home turf from the bad guys. And he makes right. little quippy jokes and stuff in the theme of the season uh, throughout the movie. Right. And she disagrees. It's a Christmas movie to which I say, if it's not a Christmas movie, then Home Alone is also not a Christmas movie because <laughs> Home Alone is the exact <laughs> same, same movie plot. just for kids. You have a protagonist separated from his family, has to protect his home turf. He hijinks ensue until he's ultimately reunited with his family and his mom and everybody else for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. And the whole reason that the bad guys are there and that they targeted the house is because there was they there was rich people in there and they knew they were gonna be otherwise occupied on the holiday. It was because of Christmas. Same movie. One just uses paint cans and. Bow torches, the other one uses machine guns and yeah. So same movies, same movies. Just once for kids. Exactly. <laughs> so we debate these two things every year. Um and uh we, t- this week was no exception. And um yeah, landed myself in a little bit of hot water because I did end up saying how much I don't actually like Christmas. Um I like that movie, but I don't like the actual holiday of Christmas. Um but um, yeah, it was it was still so a good. Time. You're a Scrooge then, huh? I'm, you're a, so you're I'm not. So there's a huh? <laughs> bit of a distinction here. So I know that we're we're kind of off topic a little bit, but I will just briefly explain. I I love being with family and friends and doing like dinner parties and you know just hanging out and 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 that kind of bonding camar- camaraderie thing. 
right? Right. But I don't enjoy all the things that everybody says we're supposed to do because of the holiday. I don't like feeling obligated to do anything. Anybody says, oh, you have to. It's like the quickest way to get me to not want to do something because I I don't have to do anything. So when I'm when I when I feel that way, it's I suddenly become the anti whatever it is. Oh, you have to put up a tree. Really? I'll put this tree in the closet and it'll stay there for four years. Don't like don't test me. That's kind of how I am. I don't know why, but I am. So, um, but I do the thing. I put the tree up. My tree is up right now. It's right here. I promise. Um, I put the trees up. I decorate, do all this stuff because my daughter loves it. And she has her Christmas movies that she loves. And we watch them together. And we listen to the Christmas music together. And I smile. And I sing. And I watch the movies. I do all those things because my daughter loves them. And I would never want to ruin that for her. But inside, internally, don't want to do it. I just, if I had a choice, I would. Man. <laughs> The things we do for kids, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, and for our family. Like, I'll go to my family's parties and stuff like that because they want me to go. I'm expected right. to go, so I'll go. But at the same time, like, if I had a choice, I would just be home watching something that I want to watch. Or maybe I'll just go somewhere else, you know, like, right. just anything else. But, yeah, um, no one seems to listen to that. I just keep getting called Scrooge, so I'll accept that title um, oh, for now. I did it, too. <laughs> yeah, but we're not like here Grinch. to talk about <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about me being the Scrooge or Grinch or any of the other bah humbuggy names. We're <laughs> here to talk about Visionary, this um, unusual episode um, in our th- third season here in the, in the latter half of the third season. So, um, all that being said, and realizing how far into this episode we've gotten without mentioning anything about Deep Space Nine. Would you like to give the recap, or do you want me to do it? You can go for it. All right. Time you do so, it. yes. Time me. We'll go quick. Um, okay. So, this one um, is about Chief O'Brien. Chief O'Brien, when the episode starts, we find him flat on his back. He just got a major dose of radiation and shock, and basically being told he is assigned to light duty. And uh, meanwhile, while he's being put on light duty, we know that there is a Romulan delegation that is showing up to basically do an information dump. They're gathering information from um, Cisco and company because they've been in the Gamma Quadrant and interacting with the founders. And that was the deal when they had to get the um, cloaking device that they would share all relevant data with the Romulans. Um, So now they're here for their intelligence briefing. Right. uh, Cisco is fine with that, even though when these Romulans show up, they're like just the worst. They're they're rude. They're very dour and just they're awful. Like right off the bat, they're <laughs> awful. They're very rude. Um, meanwhile, O'Brien starts to see visions of himself. He's um, one minute he was um, playing darts, and then all of a sudden he's on the promenade, listening to himself also on the promenade argue with Quark about the Klingons being in his bar. And then um, he later wakes up, and he thinks it's a hallucination, because Julian's telling him, oh, it's something from the radiation blast that you got earlier. But then it happens again from the other side. Now he is with Quark, and he, Quark and 
Miles see himself on the other side of the promenade. So now they right. know that it's real. This involves uh, Cisco and Dax. They begin an investigation, realize there is some kind of temporal anomaly going on on the station, and somehow O'Brien is attached to it. So while they're going to try to investigate what's causing this, Cisco and Kira also have to kind of handhold these very unseemly Romulans. And the Romulans are asking very personal questions. They want unfettered access to the crew and to the Defiant and so forth. They insult Kira a couple of different times, which gets her ready to, you know, almost shoot some of them, it seems. <laughs> and uh, they're basically just trying to figure out why the Romulans are being so hostile. And Cisco makes some great observations about them, basically saying, you know, Romulans like to sit back. They like they let other people do their work for them, and right. they've never had anybody in the in the Gamma Quadrant yet. So all of their you know dependency for information comes through this alliance that they have. Right. And um, and so meanwhile, while that's going on, again, we're trying to figure out what's going on with O'Brien. Um, there are Klingons on the station because a freighter had broke down and needed repairs, and they're going to be there for a couple of uh, days while it gets fixed. Odo's on the case trying to figure out, you know, who's keeping the Klingons and the Romulans apart because they there's a lot of bad blood there, which right. we'll get into greater Trek history to kind of explain some of that bad blood later. Um, anyway, just so as to say for now, Klingons, Romulans don't like each other. There does seem to be a little bit of espionage going on. Um, one of the O'Briens and one of his future time jumps ends up ultimately getting shot and dying. And this leads them to the a little bit more into the investigation where we find that somebody has accessed some empty quarters and turned a replicator into a mini transporter and have beamed a surveillance device into this uh, wall panel that they had been watching, the same one where O'Brien was shot. Um, Odo lays out very elaborately how he figures out who the Klingons really are. They throw the Klingons into a prison cell, which, you know, is in, in an attempt to kind of stave off any other altercations. Um, this still doesn't work. The station in one of the visions that O'Brien has is still destroyed. They decide to force one of these time jumps in order to get him to an earlier point in the future so that he can figure out what happened. He's able to jump a little bit further into the future, but the, the saturation of radiation has pretty much wiped him out. They figure out what has caused the, um, the time jumps and what destroys the station. So now I guess future past O'Brien goes back in the past to our O'Brien uh, is dying. He stays yes. in the future and the future O'Brien comes back goes in to the past. Place. Yeah, they yes. swap. And he yeah. goes back and he tells them that it's what they've been picking up and what's been causing the time jumps is the Romulans. Their Romulans have a cloaked ship that's been orbiting the station, and Romulans use micro-singularities to power their ships. And that's what they've been detecting, and that's what's been throwing him off. And they're going to ambush the station in an attempt to destroy it so that they can destroy the wormhole to prevent the Dominion or the Founders from coming through the uh, wormhole, because they right. feel like the uh, Founders are the greatest greatest threat to the Alpha Quadrant ever. So right. now knowing all this information, Cisco puts the station on high alert. They're able to lock onto the Romulan ship. And then he ends the Romulan's interview with Cork to let them know that, um, yeah, your plan's been found out. We're not going to let you do that. So get the hell off my station. And they leave in a huff. And our O'Brien is now basically like feeling kind of off because he technically is from the future, but now he's in the past, but now he's living through 
the president, so now he's back where he kind of is supposed to be, but he still mm-hmm. feels off. And uh, essentially, that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. Yep. All right. Try to get that yep. as condensed as possible so that we can get into it. But yeah, those are the highlights. And if you that didn't was like a it, very you can always... condensed, very good job <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, I, I have a problem of like having to make sure I mention all the little details before I move on. Nah, so, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm just going to always say hit the highlights because we're going to get into the, the points that are interesting to us, of course. So yeah, right. just hit the highlights. And if you don't like it, if you want us to be a little bit more thorough and detailed, tough we're not going to you can go watch right. the episode it's like 30 years old in fact in january we will be celebrating the 30th anniversary of star trek deep space nine so go watch the show come back right. enjoy the episodes with us and enjoy the 30th anniversary special that we're going to do right but anyway what do you think of this episode um well i was <laughs> i was laughing because i was like man in the last like five six episodes Time travel, time jumping, time shenanigans have suddenly become like a major theme of episodes. We had a profit motive last time where the Grand Nagus was trying to get future visions from the prophets to figure out stuff. Then we had a prophecy, the one before that. And then a couple episodes before that, we had the whole going back to past Earth to mm-hmm. to the history, historic Earth or to our time, I guess, to figure to out. 2020, 2024, so two years so, from yeah. now. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I was just as soon as it, they were like, he's time jumping. I was like, man, what's going? <laughs> we're really going into this. And so that again brings up for me the whole thing of like I have very strong opinions about how time travel should work in terms of storytelling. Um, are you willing to really grapple grapple with the ramifications of what the storytelling needs to kind of do to make it work? And this one keeps it more simplified. Um, he jumps to the future, and when he comes back, he is able to use his information to affect a change, which I like. It's basically what you imagine time traveling to the future and coming back with future information would do. It gives you a chance to make changes and to figure stuff out. That's pretty much what happens. You know, Odo mm. is able to solve the problem of the laser out of the wall that it killed one O'Brien. Um, there was the station being blown up. Like All the things that you would need to make changes occur, which is great. So I actually do appreciate that they seem to have been willing to, you know, give us that answer. And I initially had a problem with the idea of like, why is it that O'Brien is always time jumping into the future, but like in weird places on the station. And then I realized, well, it's, he's always in visual contact with ever his, with his future self. With his future self. He's always, yeah. Yeah, he can always see himself in the, whatever he goes to the future. So wherever his future self is, he's always like 10, 20, 30 feet away, and he can see himself. So it's like, okay, it's not random. He's not just randomly appearing uh, in the future in some random part on the station. It's always five hours ahead, and it's he's in contact visually with himself. And so I think that in terms of the, the time-traveling dynamic that the story goes with, I'm okay with it. It's not the like most interesting story they could tell, I would say, in some ways. You know, it doesn't really jump into some of the really fun, finer details of time travel. But for a single episode, great. Uh, it does a fine job. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that subject? Or? Well, just now, because um, you were talking about the fact that, you know, whenever he does his time jump, he is, you know, within close proximity to himself. And I was just thinking about it, and, you know, in-universe, imagine how much more difficult his job would have been to uncover what was going on if he was jumping and not having that validation that he was clearly experiencing a time jump right like i mean if you 
you wake up so, or suddenly come to when you're in an area where you don't remember or don't recall how you got there, I mean, your first thought would be to go to um, sick bay, of course, and get checked out. But as we saw, O'Brien and or uh, Bashir was having some difficulty with even verifying that there was anything really going on with him. In fact, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that Quark sees the double as well, they would have still been dismissing a lot of what was going on with uh, with O'Brien. You know, right. um, that's the part that really clues him in that it wasn't an hallucination, it wasn't a dream. This really happened. Someone else sees it. So having right. that was really the key in kind of progressing the story along quickly, which is something right. that's oftentimes missed in time travel episodes or time travel movies or anything like that. That getting to the point where we finally have some validity to what we're seeing for the character always seems to take forever. So I appreciate that they got to it so quickly. We saw yeah. one time jump and we weren't really sure. And then it was immediately followed by another one and confirmation done, you know, right. Let's move. Speaking of confirmation, uh, I laughed out loud when I think it's Dax, like they're, they figured out that he's jumping to the future, but, uh, you know, Bashir, and he comes back from the future and one of his visions is of him dead on a on an operating table. And Bashir says, when you go back to the past, tell me to do this scan. And I think it's part of them doing this particular scan. They realize how to stop him from traveling to the future. But it's going to take a few a little while. So there might be one or two more time jumps. And I was like, what do you know? There are two more commercial breaks in this episode. Because <laughs> you can see the commercial breaks on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. And uh, I was like, that's perfect. He's going to have two more chances to jump to the future. And <laughs> it's exactly what happened. So I just, I just laughed out loud. Because... They hit it right on the nail. <laughs> I mean that that is one of those things too about like when, especially when you've watched probably too much TV. I mean you pick up on the beats, so you know that this is going to happen. Like I can recall certain episodes where they would give you, you know, they would do like countdowns, right? And they would say things like in the next twenty-seven minutes, and I'm like, oh, hmm, guess how many episodes minutes are left in the episode? <laughs> Got it. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that would always just kind of right. clue you in, you know, and I, it just it cracks me up too. So I, I love that you picked up on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, just little things like that, just kind of like, I guess the wink and a nod that we know that we're where we know that we've got a time right. constraint here, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So once again, though, um, no Keiko still um, in this episode. So. Um, yeah. He's as close to being a bachelor as he can, as a married man can be at this point. I mean, I know we know in universe she's down on Bajor doing the botanist study and things like that, but still, um, I don't know. I don't know why. Like I miss her. I, I would like to see Keiko and Miles together more, yeah. and we don't. And I know that there are some people who don't like Keiko, but I like Keiko. I think yeah, that she like adds it. a great soft element to an otherwise kind of hard beat show. I like Keiko, especially when the two of them are getting along. When when the two of them are being like that one episode where she came back from her science trip and he was being super like, what the hell? I was like, this guy is being super aggressive. Like that, I didn't enjoy. Um, but yeah, other for the most part, she's great. And she certainly adds flavor to him as a character. Um, yeah. We Bashir makes the point, <laughs> they've been playing darts because in one of the visions, he saw the Klingons attacking uh, the Romulans in, in Quark's bar. So they're in Quark's bar playing darts. And, you know, O'Brien wants to be in there to, like, make sure nothing happens. They keep playing darts. And 
apparently Bashir has won 10 of the last 10 games. And O'Brien's like, all right, one more. And Bashir just apparently just destroys him. I'm like, okay, so apparently Bashir is a god of some kind. He's great at darts. He's great at uh, <laughs> racquetball. He's a, he's a doctor extraordinaire. He dated a, a ballerina and almost got married to the prima. Uh, yeah, it's like he was perfect in every way. And little old O'Brien, you know, he's just trying to make things work. Uh, he dies in this episode, which I thought was both. It was it was an interesting choice. Like he goes to the future and he's so overwhelmed by radiation that he says his to his future self, like, you go back and take my place. And it's it's a fascinating idea that our version of O'Brien is technically dead, at least the one we've been following. So. so this isn't the first time that Star Trek has pulled that trip. Well, no, it's not the first time. We've seen these kind of like specters, doubles come up. Of course, in Next Generation, we saw where William Riker had been doubled by the transporter. And so we now had, we have William and Thomas, which we talked about on this show, because, of course, Thomas came back. So this is not the first time that we've seen that. And then, of course, Star Trek Voyager does it with um, Harry Kim, a cross-dimensional switcheroo of the two Kims. So we have Harry Kim from Dimension A and then Harry Kim from Dimension B, and one of them dies and the other one takes their place in the episode. So then he's like, he's supposed to be there, but he's not. He's Harry, but he's not. And they do the same kind of weird rigmarole with the thought thought uh, problem here. Um, right. But yeah, Star Trek seems to love that. Like, is this really the same, the same person? But I mean, uh-huh. to me, it's just like, well, of course it is. Like, why are we going to split hairs here? Like, especially in this case of O'Brien. Yes, he's from you know future down the timeline, but they they're sharing the timeline. They have the same it's only timeline. Three hours. Not, right. They're not totally divergent the way Will and Thomas became divergent. Right. And, uh, yeah, so they're sharing the same timeline, the same continuity there. So, yeah, they're the same person. And, um, right. I, but I do, I do like the way that they, you know, kind of address certain things, like when, when they force O'Brien to do another time jump. And he can no longer do anything because the radiation is beating him up. And he's sitting on the bed talking to his older self, the future self. And the future self says, wait a minute, if you feel that bad from radiation, shouldn't I also be feeling bad too? But he doesn't. And so they just kind of give that a wash with the whole, you know, I hate temporal mechanics. Longest right. running Star Trek gag, yeah. right? Longest running Star Trek gag ever is is that you'll see that repeated multiple times in all the shows. Voyager does it a lot. Um, someone being like, "Well, how are we going to go back and cause the thing that we just saw in the front?" Yeah, all of that it happens. So they address <laughs> it by basically having someone state it and then being confused by it, and then we get a clever, you know, wash and your eyes glaze over, and before you know it, you're on the next part of the episode. So. You have your own mini time jump because you blacked out listening to them go through their time nonsense. (laughs) Right. But now I want to talk about Odo because, of course, I want to talk about Odo because Odo is awesome. And we all know he is one of my favorite characters. And my favorite scene of him in this episode is where he is breaking down meticulously for Cisco the great lengths he's gone through to ferret out just exactly who these 
three Klingons are that have come. Apparently, and within a couple of hours, like he did this very quickly. By the way, yes, well. he played. <laughs> he played an excellent game of telephone and sending off what I assume are twentieth, twenty fourth century versions of emails, and getting some <laughs> instantaneous con. Uh, confirmation back on some of these things to find out who these people were and they were a part of some top secret covert order sent out by the Klingon Empire to kill some Romulans and he got all this stuff and Cisco's just like why didn't you just tell me that yeah just cut why why didn't you tell me that and he's like well I just I feel like I have to remind you just how good I am I love that (laughs) I absolutely love that because it's like I sing Odo's praises enough as it is, but for him to know it and be like, "Yeah, I'm badass," and I want you to uh-huh. know, you, you, I'm badass. Like that was the whole well, point of that scene. <laughs> and we know that Odo, like, especially wants to make that point because I think it was the beginning of this season when the Defiant showed up that they tried kicking Odo out of, like, or at least getting him kind of demoted in terms of security. That's right. And Cisco was like trying his best to hold up for Odo. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, Odo definitely has a reason <laughs> to emphasize how effective he is. <laughs> That's true. They did try to replace yeah. Odo, as we can remember from David's favorite episode, Move Along Home. There was another person in security who uh, wasn't watching the senior officers and they all went missing. And it was up to Odo to alert them that all the senior officers were missing. So that is not the, that was the first time that we saw someone trying to take Odo's job. And then yes, with the defiant and going into the gamma quadrant for the first time, yes, they tried to remove um, Odo yet again. And so here he is still holding on though and demonstrating just why he is the best man for all security, not just station security. Um, right. Definitely want him on your side. But again, I love watching Odo and Cisco together. They they complement each other well, even when you know they're just performing their duties. They they're great. They're great together. And I wish that we had more of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, another great little moment between them. I feel like there's probably there was another scene in this episode that probably had some of them together. Uh, I mean, there, I know there's the moment where they go into the corridor with O'Brien. He's pointing out the panel that they were going mm-hmm. to. And Odo's like, all right, stand back. You know, I'll take care of this. Um, but yeah, I don't. I can't remember if there's any other scene that really stands out between Odo and Cisco at the moment. But I feel like there was something. But well, there's certainly the Kira and Odo moment, which we should oh, probably yes. get into. Oh, of course. That was next. Yeah. Kira and Odo kind of defending each other and yet... Kira unaware of just how um, spot on the Romulans were with their mm-hmm. accusations of Odo's um, affection for her. So, yes. of course, we all know this because we watched Heart of Stone before this, oh, wow. where Odo confessed his feelings to Kira, who was actually the female changeling in disguise. So we know. And so that's why when that scene where Kira is relaying her meeting, the minutes of her meeting with the Romulans to Odo, and he gets, you know, ruffled, and he's like, that's ridiculous. But we all know that he was really feeling embarrassment because he was exposed in that moment. But she didn't see it. So, you know, again, kind of these, you know, winks and nods that the that the writers and directors were doing here for us because we knew what was going on. But a great scene, played very well by both um, Renee and Nana here with the whole um, who knows what and who's doing what. Classic right. misdirection here. So, right. love that. Or classic yeah. deflection, I should say, not misdirection. Deflection. Yeah. 
He didn't own up to it when he should have or could have. He right. instead went the other way. Right. Well, part of it's funny, too, because as you just point out, the Romulans are hitting on was actually this the truth that Sis, or Odo likes Kira. And mm-hmm. she is just incensed by the idea. But it, it it does make you wonder, like, is she so upset because she on a subconscious level actually understands that that actually is kind of what's going on because she could just laugh it off. I mean, she's already pissed at the Romulans for a number of other reasons. Yeah. They're being aggressive and overbearing as they always are. Um, And I just love the, (laughs) just love how they are. The Romulans always act as if they are the greatest, like if the Hitler youth were a race of people, (laughs) They are the Hitler youth grown up into wow. a, a race because they are just like we are superior and greater than everyone else. And it's always hilarious how like they're kind of right in the sense that they are clever, but they aren't uniquely clever. You know, it's not like they are the alone in the universe as people who are sneaky and and can any all that jazz. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was kind of silly for cisco to even think that when they showed up on the station they would want to even go to their private quarters you know he's like we prepared private quarters for you if you'd like to take a moment to rest and they're like we don't need your private quarters we want to hear your information right now i was like okay i was like cisco you should have been prepared for that come on now (laughs) well yeah i fully i agree that he i think he should have been prepared for it but i also think that it's part of it's probably like standard protocol or something to offer them their own space their own place where they can you know plan or do whatever you know before they go into you know official work or whatever it's up to them to take it or not but i mean again standard op is to offer at the very least so that's why it didn't bother him when they said no and he was able to move on you know well it Um, does seem a little flustered or something at least it seemed to me that a little bit i mean i could could get that but i think that's just go ahead I just I just figured that he would probably do something like, um, if you're interested, I have we have some cords repaired for you. Would you like to go to the cords repair, or would you like to go ahead and hear the briefing? Like, just go ahead and offer the choice. Um, but I, I, it's just it's just those are the Romulans. Yeah. The Romulans are just just like that. So now you're now you're right. I do feel like you know. Cisco did express some mild annoyance there with them when they turned him down, you know, and wanted to get right to work. But I just took that more as that's just Cisco's personality as well. Like he's doing what he's supposed to do in accordance with protocol, of course. So it's just like observing the niceties hurts no one and being, you know, mm-hmm. rude like that is just it, it again, it's it's annoying. It's annoying. And he's not gonna let it get in the way of him doing his job, of course, but yeah. He's a little annoyed, and he expressed that annoyance. Now, I mean, we can't forget that the Romulans are supposedly offshoots of the uh, uh, Vulcans. So, you know, their demeanor to a certain extent being that kind of brusque up front is at least a little bit understandable. Because that's how, you know, Vulcans can come off, and certainly how they used to be. Now, through their interactions with, you know, Starfleet and the greater Federation populace, they're, you know better as the Vulcans are more like pacifists but as you said the Romulans have a deep superiority complex so yeah that notion of you know observing niceties for any other species besides themselves would seem beneath them but it gets them nowhere 
I personally enjoyed Kira talking about, you know, how, hey, yeah, go ahead and bring up your suggestions to Odo. You may find yourself through that bulkhead and floating back home. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because it was like, would Odo really do that over such a suggestion? Probably not. But I I enjoyed the imagery and I enjoyed the little bit of a callback that it was for a next generation next generation episode where a Romulan did get pushed through a bulkhead and ended up floating into open space. So, that? Um, oh man, I wish I could remember the title, but it was it's kind of the same scenario. Um, it, it involved. Jordy LaForge and Ro Laren, and they got knocked out of phase, and everybody thought they had died in a transporter accident, oh, but they didn't. Yeah. And so then they were stuck on the Enterprise trying to get somebody to see them and get data right. to follow the clues to figure it out, which he eventually does. But at the same time, there was a Romulan who had also been knocked out of phase, and he was trying right. to stop them from uncovering their little um, plot. And, right. Yeah. And uh, he ends up attacking Ro Laren, and just before he's able to shoot her, Jordy knocks him through the wall and into in his face. Which <laughs> I forgot that I, part. <laughs> but see, I always I always wondered about it. So like, because in the episode again, they're all out of phase, right? And so nothing is affecting them the way that normal matter or whatever. That's why they can run through walls. That's why if somebody was to shoot him with a phaser, it it wouldn't work unless the phaser had also been adjusted out of phase. Well, they knocked that guy through the bulkhead. He goes, you know, careening, which, again, doesn't make sense because they were running. They were running through the various quarters and everything else, phasing through the walls. One, uh-huh. why didn't they slip through the floor? It's never explained. <laughs> if, they can, if they can run through the walls, they should be falling through the floor. They should have all died, really. Well, what is gravity in space if you're a ghost, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, right. So, I mean, yeah. like... The, they should have been looking down and realized that their legs were just floating, and then whenever they moved around, right, it was just right. them. They yeah. should have been they should have been terrified to move because they could have ended up slipping through the ship and, <laughs> and from one end and right out the other, careening into right. deep space. But yeah. if that's not the case, right, and and just you know, let's just go ahead and forget about the floor situation. He gets knocked through the wall, but he's out of phase with our reality. Does space? like affect him the same way so is he would he have still just been able to be alive but in space or would it just be like no because there's you know there's nothing in space he was just floating in the void basically and that's why he died so i mean i can accept that but i'm just saying at the same time very i was just wondering like how long was he alive once he got pushed through the bulkhead like did he because we're, we're told that you know if you if you were just to be thrown out into space no suit whatever i mean you would die in a matter of seconds you know yeah. um is the is that true for a person out of phase with our reality does would they still die in a matter of seconds or is he alive until his body systems naturally shut down due to lack of food and water you know yeah. I was always I guess curious. That's just one of those things where if you start thinking about it too much, it falls apart. Yeah, I mean, it really <laughs> does. Like the magic falls happen. apart in a, yeah, falls apart in a lot of ways. Rose Laren yeah. should have slipped through the, the moment she tried to start gaining any kind of traction. She should have <laughs> fell through the Enterprise and died. Like seriously, they all should have no, just been I, like terrified. I'm just thinking a way that could have worked is like they can pass through physical objects, but maybe like. The, the radiation from like engineering, you know, passing through the ship is 
toxic, you know, like in real life. And so it's like a web. So instead of like hitting walls, you have to like watch out for hitting the the, the energy going through the shit. Yeah, like you. It, so all the same spaces are the same spaces they can move in, but they just can't physically interact in the same way. Um, so they could pass through certain walls that don't have those. Like that's how I would do it if I'm ready I mean, to get like how to explain. And it. I'm fine with that, but they didn't do that. When that scene where she's <laughs> running, she's just literally trucking through those walls like they're not even there. She has no idea what's on the other side. I mean, at one point she runs through the guy. There's a guy like he's he's like working out in his quarters, and she runs right through the bucket and right through him, and just keeps on going like you know nothing. Um, they pass through just various corridors. They're crossing through hallways. You've got no idea what's on the other side of the door, let alone what's on the other side of the hall or the wall, you know? Uh-huh. She could have ran into a major EPS conduit and fried herself, right? But we right. don't see any of that. And again, the running. The running. She's making contact with the ground or with the with the ship's deck. Right? right. So how? Why weren't her feet going through it? How was she gaining the traction she needed to move? Like again, right. none of that. None of it makes sense. When they were beamed back to the Enterprise, they are like slumped over in the halls and stuff. You know, right? How? They should have just been laying out flat. If they can run through walls, why was Jordy like propped up against one of the walls when he came to? He should have been sprawled out on his back, no wall supporting him. Right. We spent a lot of time talking about this, just for the record. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, all in good fun. All in good fun. I'm just like, these no, are I the totally things. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. So now to go even uh, deeper into some more Trek lore, because we have to, because we were talking about the Romulans. We've got to talk about the Klingons and why the Klingons don't like the Romulans. You know, um, like I said, a lot of bad blood between them. Um, there's a movie, David, that you're going to have to watch, and you'll get some of this. Um, it is all, it's the last movie that starred the original series cast and it was called the undiscovered country. And it's all about how the Klingons proposed a armistice basically with the Federation because they could no longer afford their, um, war efforts and their warmongering. And this lands Kirk and crew in a lot of trouble, and there's some conspiracy as to keeping the, not just to keep the war going, but to basically bring the Klingon Empire to their knees, and there is a Romulan ambassador who conspires to bring about some of this stuff, um, ultimately thwarted by Kirk and crew, but again, great movie. It's it's one of my favorite of the six movies that the original uh, cast did. That one is definitely my favorite. Um, so we could talk about that another time. But basically, the Klingons and Romulans have been at war with each other off and on for like a couple of centuries. And they've just right. done different things, stolen technology from each other, murdered each other, a bunch of different stuff that just made them just really hate each other. And so that's what we're seeing more of here is that fallout of, you know, just again, centuries of fighting, centuries of not liking each other, one thinking they're superior to the other. And this is what it gets you, just always on opposite sides. Despite mm-hmm. being both of you crazy, <laughs> yeah. But who would you take? Who would you give in a fight? Who would you take? Romulans, Klingons. It's a good question. I think I would just have to say Klingons because. Yeah, you would Klingons. Well, I mean, gosh, it's a great question. Now that I think about it. I was, I was before you asked that question. I was thinking it'd be fascinating if they were to team up. Like the Cardassians are, like. 
humans in an inverted sense. They're more human-like than the Romulans or the Klingons. You know, Klingons are are straight up warlike, and the Romulans are emotionless, scheming. But the Cardassians are presented, as they themselves even say, as like we're like you guys. Like, just you know, history's went differently for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think if you could convince the Romulans to join your side, they would probably be really valuable, frankly, because they are their own independent, you know, empire without mm-hmm. need, as we've just, as you just pointed out, and the, the, the Klingons needed an armistice because things didn't work out. The, the Romulans would never, ever, 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 ever <laughs> consent to that. They would rather go down as a species, you know, go down, die, you know, go down fighting never admit to to need for help so it's like I, that's an interesting question i mean i guess the klingons are the answer we have now it's the it's the, the ones we're allied with now so it'd be fun to explore what it would be like to be allied with the romulans instead i don't know what do you I think, think i don't think a, an ally i don't i don't think the romulans really work as an ally at least not long term they're yeah. far too secretive and yes. prideful and right. i mean the klingons definitely have a lot of pride but they're more boastful as well and they have an honor code that we can understand the romulans don't like there's so much about the romulans that we learn that's definitely about you know getting over on other people if you can gather information about them and then use it to both bring them down while raising you up they're all for it they're ruthless schemers they're you know, just not the kind of people that, again, long term, we would want to align ourselves with. There's a lot of benefit in, especially in a probably a war, long term military situation, that you would want to have that kind of person around and and those Mm -hmm. people as soldiers around. But after that war is over with, you're just like, okay, that's your side. Go over there and get the hell away from me. Like, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you, you know? Um, they would be the ones who, when the war was over, probably committed a lot of atrocities. Like they were, (laughs) they seriously, like they helped us out, but when the dust settles and we're, you know, looking to see what was what, we'd probably find like Romulans did some horrible, horrible stuff while we were looking the other way and focused on whatever. That's true. You know? Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Uh, So... See, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them at all to just be, like you said, kind of like the the Nazis of their of their group in that kind of malevolent, malicious way that they would go after, um, go after an enemy. And right. um, you know, we we have a bit of Romulan history. We know that the Romulans again offshoot of the Vulcans, but there's another offshoot of the Romulans, the Remans, and the the Remans were um, basically formerly Romulans who are put on this biohazard of a moon and because they are there and forced to work as basically um, slave labor, their bodies change and mutate and they don't even look like Romulans anymore, but they're just kind of another Romulan, you know, a a subset. So the Romulans Mm -hmm. have no problem with subjugating their own people to harsh extremes just to, you know, achieve a goal or to, enrich themselves so again i i don't think the romulans would be the ones that we would want to align ourselves with long term um right. klingons are just to me they just seem more fun uh yes they can be <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, yes they can be sure. aggressive sure but um i mean well, again so, get them drunk and you'll so have much, a great time 
That's exactly right. What's so fun about the Klingons is once you're allied with the Klingon, like every time we've seen a like the Klingon homeworld when Worf would go, like the the passion, the just vibrato, the the like uh, there's the Klingons mm-hmm. are a strangely lovable species. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovable race of people. They're so passionate. They're so ordered. They're so honorable. They're so warrior. Like it's just you want one to like you. Like when you earn the respect of a Klingon. Oh man! Like that. No reason. There's. It's. It's no. Mm-hmm. No. No doubt that Dax would go off and try and save the son of her former um, friends. Those three Klingons. Yeah. They all three of them were were great characters. We got the one who's a, a drunk, but the one who's, you know, kind of snooty in his, per, you know, perfection. Then you got the you're talking the about leader Kang. Yeah, yeah, I, the the three of Kang them is the they... Kang is the the more stern leader one. Then you yes. have Koloth, who is the the rabid, still practicing cuts and so forth. Yes, exactly. And then you have and then you have Kor. Who is the drunk? But he's yes. a boisterous, laughing, affable drunk. Right. And and you love him. You, like you just like you do. You want to you like can't, him. He's arrogant. He's he's insufferable sometimes. But you do. You like him. Yeah. When he laughs, you can't help but at least smile a little bit. Like right. I think that's it, exactly like the Klingons. They it may take you a while to win them over, but once you do, they're fiercely loyal. They will show yes. up for you. They will be down 100% to support you and I mean you could you could risk if you had a, a good Klingon friend that'd probably be the best sleep of your life knowing that they yeah. were in the next room because there's yeah. no one that's gonna you know yeah. um, get through there and hurt you a Romulan on the other hand nah as soon as you close your eyes yeah. you you hope you hope you wake that's up exactly right yeah yeah that's exactly right which is why it was always fun to see Cisco I'm oh, sorry uh, Picard uh, learning, uh, interacting with the Klingons because like, he was learning the language. He would do all the rituals for Worf, and um, they respected Picard, and we knew that they did. And uh, uh, yeah, really? I wish we could have really some don't of have that much for uh, Cisco. But, yeah. Well, you know, um, just a little little mild spoiler for you. We're 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 getting there. We're getting there. We're That's getting all there. I'm gonna say. All right. Um, yeah. we're, we're in for, we're, I was just looking ahead earlier at the episodes that we have coming up and, um, barring a couple, there are some really great ones that are on the way for us. And I can't wait. Like, this is what I was talking about. You know, I kept saying, you know, in season one, wait till we get to season four and we're knocking on the door right now, but these next ones are great to kind of set that up. And I can't wait to get there and, and watch it with you. So, um, Oh man. Um, but uh, as we get closer to the end here, what were your overall thoughts of this episode? Um, I do want to mention that I liked I, I liked the whole point about the Romulans and their whole plot to blow up the wormhole to protect themselves from Dominion, and that they don't like to use their own resources. They like to have others like they're, they're using the Federation to take all the risks here. Um, all they had to give up was some. Um, you know, install a cloaking device on one ship when we already, they knew and we know that the Federation basically has figured out cloaking technology. They just are edging the line about whether or not they have it or will use it. And they're already allied with the Klingons who have it. And that was that great episode in Federate in the uh, next generation where, you know, yes. uh, two Pegasus two, incident. Yeah. The two Klingon ships appear with the, 
uh, with the uh, Enterprise in that confrontation to have with the Klingons. I'm sorry, with the Romulans. Facing so, uh, down Tomalak. I miss yes. Tomalak. He was the one Romulan I really liked, even though he was a bastard. <laughs> I liked him. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like the Romulans proved themselves to be pretty smart here. Like the Cisco lays out their plan was you're going to destroy the wormhole and you're going to destroy the station and try to make it look like the station got destroyed in the wormhole destruction. Um, so I like their plot. Uh, they they wanted to go to the station and figure out the information they could figure out about the, the, the Dominion and then make a decision about whether or not to pull this, you know, coup, if you will, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the only complaint I really have is that the time traveling gimmick is like, as you pointed out when you gave the recap, we open up with O'Brien on the floor having been hit by some radiation and he basically is already ready to go. And so um, the plot immediately is given basically that that little detail. He can travel on occasion to the future is specifically for this episode, specifically for the episode to work. And again, I don't mind so much that they they made it work a certain way. I feel like the their the way they do it makes sense. Um, but I I do feel that it was more of a gimmick to make the episode happen rather than a true willingness to explore all the ramifications of what this could mean if they were to like you know harness this power. If we can mm-hmm. travel into the future and we've figured it out, you know, it's not that we need to make O'Brien wear a armband we need to get him like an armband and a suit that can handle the radiation and like start really testing this technology out that's what we really need to start doing but uh no we're not gonna see this episode you know the technology move forward we're just gonna go to the next episode so that's one thing that i will you know also comment on for just star trek personnel in general how just a hundred percent on board they are with things sometimes like things that would freak other people out they just just accept it and they're ready to move move through it and okay that right. what's going on oh i'm jumping through time cool how can i make this you know an event i know that something terrible is going to happen i'm going to waste all of my time i'm not going to have any fun with this whatsoever work 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 they're just so dedicated to getting to that and i just i don't know like that that is the true disbelief for this show not the space travel not the wormhole aliens and or everything else no it's their sheer dedication to just going along with everything and getting to work again <laughs> blows my mind. And then they, they apparently just never really seem to take off days. Have you noticed? Like everybody works every day, like every day. No one ever says, Oh, thank God. Today's my off day. You never hear a person say that in any of these shows. It's always, yeah. Nope. We're just, we're still working. And when the terrible thing happens, that almost cost me my life is over with. I can't wait to get back to my station and hopefully yeah. something else also equally terrible will happen to me i would say we do at times of people going on like vacations but you're totally right they move from world ending situation from world ending situation week to week and they're fine i mean and that's and i mean we say week to week because that's how we're watching it but i mean we have no idea how if that's like the real flow of time for them yeah like in universe and it could never end it could never end and i just I, and I, and people, you know, we've we've talked about other, you know, Star Trek shows and whatever. Like Discovery has moments where, like, they have the characters take breaks to reconcile with some of the hard hitting things that they dealt with. And there's been a bit of backlash about that. Some people don't like it. They feel like the show's a little too touchy feely or whatever. But I'm like, honestly, you don't think that they should have a cool down period? That guy 
used to be a Klingon until he was mutilated to look like something else, and he just found out about it. Has memory wiped all of it. He just found out about it. Right. Yeah, PTSD, but he shouldn't sit that out a little bit? No, no. Just put him back out there with a weapon in his hand and make him fight his own former peeper? Okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. That guy over there, he thought he was going to die. He thought that somebody was like wiping out his whole civilization, found out that was a lie, figured out how to save his people, and now he has to deal with the trauma of the fact that his his parents were killed by these people and he didn't save them because he wasn't smart enough at the time. Okay, go back to work. Got it. See how y'all handle everything. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Just like things like when you break it down succinctly and say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. Of course, you should have a couple of days off, man. Yes. Yeah. Go sit yeah, down. The, the idea at the beginning of this episode where Cisco is like, all right, O'Brien, I want you to like take some days light work. I don't want to hear you went up into some pylons to go fix this something or something. And it's like, yeah, like O'Brien is always presented as this guy who like can't but stop work like he can't stop working. He's always working, 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 working. And you're totally right. Like <laughs> the man but even, needs but even that vacation. goes out the window. <laughs> right. But even that goes out the window because it's like he, he tells him to have right duty, but then he immediately starts having the flashbacks or the, the, the time flashes. So now they have to figure out the thing and no one says O'Brien, you go rest while we investigate this. It's right. keep us posted, Chief, while you run through the rest of your day now. And yeah. we're going to keep like, yeah, no one steps in to say, you probably have a lot to handle right now. We're going we're gonna to take this one. Yeah. Like no one says that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of O'Brien and Kira, as you mentioned earlier, it'd be great. I mean, maybe we'll, we will have an episode, but it would be great for O'Brien and let's say Dax, like, take a trip down to the planet. No, it should be Kira, because she's a Bajoran. Or at least someone. They go down, and they, like, go meet Keiko, and, and there's some shenanigans that happen on the planet for an episode. That's, and that's the episode. That's an excellent point. Why don't they do that? He has talked about missing Keiko, and she's down in whatever province on Bajor, and she can't get back to see him that often. But what's stopping him from taking yeah. a, you know, a couple of days and go down and hang out with her and, and his kid. Don't forget, Molly is with him too, with her too. Yeah, Kira, don't you have any like family friends you want to visit on Bajor? No? Yeah. You just want to keep working forever on the space station? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a workaholic. Everybody's speaking, a workaholic. Yeah, and speaking of the trauma bit, like, yeah, K uh, Kira's boyfriend of like two years has, has bit the dust a couple episodes ago and she's hopping along like ever. <laughs> all, she did, all she did was get a haircut. She got yeah. her haircut, changed her hair, and nah, she's good. She's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just uh, so many issues when you th when you think about it, think things through. But again, like overall, interesting episode. I like the storytelling yeah. that they did here for us. Time hops, be damned. I still enjoyed all of it. So. Um, right. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna give this one an overall success. I'm gonna say it's a, it's a success successfully entertains. That's what this episode does. Yeah, I'd say it definitely successfully entertains. I would also say that I don't think this episode has any moments in it that explicitly require it to be like you have to view it if you're doing like a an edited like speed run of the show. But yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. It's not like it's a bad episode. So I would agree with that. There's nothing in this episode totally that you need to know in order to appreciate what comes next. 
So it's um it's a great episode in that in, as, as a bottle episode, but it does introduce the recurring trope of O'Brien must suffer. So we, yes. we've seen little bits of that, <laughs> but now we're that. we're more into it now. We we've seen him. He's he's been shocked. He's been irradiated multiple times. He gets shot with the phaser and dies in this episode. And yeah, a lot of a lot of pain for O'Brien. His- as a prisoner on Cardassia at the end of last season, all kinds of yeah. shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that's going to about do it for us. Ran over yeah. a little bit, but not too bad. Um, just want to let everybody know that as, as David said, this will be our, essentially our Christmas episode. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all the, you know, seasons, greetings, whatever it is that you like to say or hear during this time, we extend that to you, of course. Yes, I know that I said I don't particularly enjoy Christmas, but I did say I wasn't going to ruin it for anybody else. So again, (laughs) if you enjoy the holiday, please enjoy it in whatever way that matters to you and have at it. So do it. Um, Other than that, Find us, follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. And until we see you next time, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.